Awesome date. September 15th, 2008. Awesome topic. An Xbox Live Trifecta Podcast of Amazement. This is the Awesome Cast. To the awesome cast. Whoa, it's crazy. Hi, I'm Basil. I'm DJ Anabito. And I am Lee. And that's us. The infamous. The infamous Lee. Yes, Lee is quite infamous. Yes, in some circles. Usually round ones. I could say something, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I think I know what oh you're going to Oh my god, no. <laughs> Anyways, um, we don't really have a world of awesome for you tonight, but... If my memory serves me correctly, this, when we're recording sort of a week in advance, but the Monday that we actually release this, the 15th, is the 15th before Anime Weekend Atlanta, which we will be attending in full effect. All of us will be there. Yes. I'll be there. Beto will be there. Lee will be there. Eric will be there. We'll all be there. So, if you listen to this and are going to be any way, you know... Find us. We'll see you there. You'll get to meet the heroes. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I know I'm attending the podcasting panel, and we'll see what goes from there. I may join in as well. Well, I mean, screw not you guys, I'm not going to the podcast Well, panel. it's like, we're not on the panel, but we're going to the panel, and that might be good. Mm-hmm. You just want to heckle Daryl Surratt, is what you want to do. Look, he's the most dangerous man in anime podcasting. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're going to take this seriously... You have to, you know, face up to him like a man. Yeah. And then, Coming you know, for you, Surratt. That's right. <laughs> well, he can smell f- fear. Well, it's true, but he doesn't smell it often. Yes, I'm but, sure he's scared after that rousing threat. But if you want to beat us or anything, you know, throw us an email, osncasd at gmail.com, or leave a message, a comment on our website. You can even phone us. Our voicemail is area code 206-426-5063. Call it at the awesome line. And the awesome thing about the awesome line is you we can we'll you know, we can air your call on air, online, and interact with you directly via our advanced technologies. You might even make an Easter egg at the end of the podcast. Who knows? Or we might do a voicemail segment if you have like actual comments and stuff that we can air mm-hmm. and answer. And who knows, we might even release a couple episodes live at the show. Oh, that would be awesome. Just because we can. Yes. With this newfangled technology and internets, anything is possible. That's right. Thank you, tubular interwebs. And also thanks to the internet, we get the wonderful world of downloadable video games. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. If you haven't noticed on our webpage, all of us have Xbox 360s, and we all play on Xbox Live. One of the great features of Xbox Live, it has the Xbox Live Arcade. And it just so happens that last month, Microsoft had a big old month Oh, awesome Yes. as far as stuff being put on the interwebs for you to download on their servers. Stuff like Braid and Castle Crashers and Galaga Legions, Bionic Commando Rearmed, and like other stuff. Yeah. They put JD Empire there. Well, isn't that been there? Oh yeah, that's been there. Oh well, yeah, but... People still should go download that game anyway. And so, since we've been, the three of us have been playing, a lot of those, at least three of, well, three of us have been playing three of the games a lot. So we thought, well, really, Inabita has been bugging me. Yes. Like, bugging my ass off about having Binoc Commander rearmed on the podcast. And it so, deserves I'm, it. I'm just saying, man. Just because your Xbox was dead at the time it came out, but it's, it's, it's back and works better than ever. And now the fancy, you know, 120 card drives of me. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, we're going to talk about three of them tonight, today. Whatever you listen to this, we'll be there. 
with our games of Castle Crashers and Black Commander Rearmed and Braid. Not necessarily aired in that order. So, a long time ago, in an internet far, far away, there were some guys, and they made this website called Newgrounds. It was a haven for flash-based atrocities and flash-based achievements. All sorts of videos and games were on the site. In general, it was a really good time waster when it was first around. Oh, yeah. And oddly, for some good trivia, it was actually originally a Neo Geo website. Really? That's why it was called Newgrounds. Neo New Geo Grounds. Whoa. Did not know that. Yeah. And... Oddly enough, these same guys who started Newgrounds decided to make a video game on Newgrounds. New, on Newgrounds, they used Flash. It was called Alien Hominid, mm. and it was really good. In fact, it did so well for them that they actually were able to make a console release mm-hmm. and actually created their own you know, video game development studio called Behemoth. Mm. And Alien Hominid did it very well for them, and so they decided, you know, we should make another game. And they decided... It would be a game called Castle Crashers, <laughs> which is what we'll be talking about tonight. Castle Crashers is a four-player local online side-scrolling brawler. You know, the likes of Double Dragon, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles original arcade game, mm-hmm. Guardian Heroes, Final Fight, Streets of Rage, you know, that kind of genre. Golden Axe. Golden Axe. Yeah. a lot of Golden Axe. Especially with the medieval influence. Reminds me a lot of Golden Axe, actually. Yeah. They also get to write monsters. Anyways, that's what it is. You go from side to side. You know, for usually from left to right, sometimes the other way around. And you, enemies come at you, you whack the enemies down, and you continue on. And that's pretty much the basis of the gameplay of Castle Crashers. But that's, of course, that the, that's kind of like saying, well, Mario's a platformer where you jump on things. Castle Crashers is that, but so much more. It's, um, it's a typical beat-em-up, but it's got a few elements to it that separate it from everything else, really. It's and also you know the art all and the flash based and it's really wacky. It is just out there. Yeah, it feels like you're playing a cartoon, which is I really like that a lot actually. Yep, yep. You got uh, you got different weapons. You level up. Yeah, the first thing you notice is the art style. It was which was drawn by the artist Stan um, Paladin, who is the guy who's been doing the art for Alien Hobbit and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's got a very very unique cartoony. Interesting art style. It's not quite, you know, your usual American stuff. It's not quite, you know, anime inspired. It's close as I can think of it. Stuff like, you know, it reminds me most of Invader Zim, if anything. Mm-hmm. But it's still its own thing. And it's, and the first game was Alien Hominid, which is probably really where this Alien Hominid was, you know, a space alien, so it was Invader Zim, which I guess is where I my, my brain draws comparison. But Castle Crashers, while it has some aliens here and there, it's very much set in a medieval time setting mm. where some guys who are bad guys because they steal your giant crystal of your kingdom, they steal it away, as well as all your princesses. And, and for some reason, your your uh, kingdom has many princesses of different you know, hair color, eye, and ethnicities lying around to be captured, which is a good game goal. And thankfully, they happen to have four different technicolor knights <laughs> that have decided to rear up and go take those guys down, get their princesses back, and get back the giant freaking crystal. True that. And you play those knights. And it starts very, very quickly. I mean, they pluck you down in a room, you see a guy die in front of you. And While you're, you're rocking out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you immediately go out and start charging in, kicking ass and taking names. Some of the neat things about this, while it is your beat-em-up brawler type, they do some things different, a little more RPG type stuff. You have your weapon, and you have different, you know, a, light, a quick attack and a heavy attack. You also have magic. The neat thing is, like an RPG, your character levels up, and you can assign points whether you want stronger magic, whether it be stronger for attacking or being faster, more mm-hmm. defense. 
you can customize the character as you want, as you like it, and you know, it, it changes things. You either do more damage, you can take more damage, you can move around faster. Your match becomes larger and more damaging as it goes along. And O does it. Not only that, but you can also equip weapons. They have all sorts of weapons. Anywhere between pitchforks and twigs and giant maces and lightsabers. Maces, pitchforks, which was my favorite for a while. Mm. And as you go through the game, you you obtain new ones. As you can beat enemies, they'll give you stuff. You can buy them in certain shops. They give you a item slot where you can buy, you know, you can bows and arrows, bombs... Awesome sandwiches that make you huge and bulky and yeah. they're like super Hulk, strong. They're like incredible Hulk, Hulk bread. Yeah, Hulk bread. Which is kind of interesting because you get to part to a level where if you've never used the bread, you have no clue what it does. I thought it was like another a life thing. Like, Same here. Like the potions. And you get to a point where these these guys and you see this door which you can't get through. Which has a bread-shaped indent on it. And then these guys, they constantly, whenever you kill them, as they come up to you, drop bread. And so you go, oh... Maybe I should use the bread. And holy crap, I hulk out, and I can then now rip the door off from its hinges. Yes. It's it, only lasts, awesome. it only lasts for a few seconds, but you're like, oh. It's totally worth it. You also, later on in that stage, you need the bread to destroy a boss. and It's pretty creative how they've decided how you need to use the bread. And you need to use it to get it into another level called the Industrial Castle. Yeah. And if you sit there and try to whack at the door, it won't let you in. You have the evil guy teasing you. Ha ha, you're not brawny enough to get in here. And then it's like, you eat the bread and you you go into Hulk mode. It's like, what? What? <laughs> the guy freaks out and runs away. Yes. It's important because you can get to the level before you get the bread. And you can wail on the door as much as you want. And he'll just laugh at you. And then when you come back later, you're like, ha ah, ha I got the bread now. I'm going to kick your ass. The whole and thing is, is just... I don't know. I think it's a creative... For the price you're getting this game at, you're getting huge amounts of levels, huge amounts of weapons, just all this crap thrown at you, and uh, yeah, we still haven't gotten to the end of it. I mean, not that we've been you know, going too hardcore on it, but it is amazing. And uh, you, you can see the creativity in just... I mean, it's not... You have your typical beat-em-ups. You have chase scenes. You have a part where you're fighting on top of a frigging... Uh, Carriage, you know, marriage carriage, fighting off uh, dudes swinging for branches and ropes trying to kill you. It is just a wild ride. It's it's been it's been a fun party game. It's been a fun party game to have everyone over and play. Everyone play it, and everyone picks their individual knights on their Xbox profiles and help each other out to level. It's definitely the most fun multiplayer. I have been playing single player, and it's pretty fun. But it's not nearly as much fun once you got some buddies yeah. over and some friends and. Real. really start rocking out with the game. Unfortunately, the uh, the network code is kind of screwed up right now. I think you know more about that, Basil, than... Yeah, apparently when it released, it's, it, it drops people like crazy. Uh-huh. Like, you can't connect two rooms together. The online is very, very janky. And apparently they were like, Behemoth has went, okay, we're sorry about this, we didn't realize what was going to happen. And they're working on a patch right now with right. Microsoft. And hopefully in a few weeks, if we're lucky, by the time this podcast has already aired... It'll be fixed, and you can play online. It'll be just as much fun as playing local. I just want to give a warning to those who are planning to play it online. There is a patch for it, or there's going to be a patch being made for it. Yes. And yeah, while this is a very old school style game, they definitely you know they gild it to the lilies very much so. So while it looks old, while it plays old school, even still it sort of looks old school. The look is very very refined and huge. Like you have giant characters, huge vistas. You know, your the background isn't just like parallax. There's actual things going on in the background. Some of which you can miss as you're kicking ass and other people have to go, oh, there are aliens back there messing with shit. Or you might see a giant war scene in the background that you can't actually really appreciate because you're so busy pounding on enemies yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it even makes for a good spectator sport game because you get to see all these different things that when you're playing, you don't notice. Mm-hmm. And there's also even more things. For like example, you also get um, animal orbs as companions, where each of them have different things. Like you might find like an owl that will pl- pluck fruit from trees for you, or you might have a little ram, little circle orb thing that rams enemies for you, or a bat that occasionally drains blood from enemies. <laughs> it's great. And there's all sorts of ones you can collect. 
Not only that, you're not just limited to the four main characters, the four color knights. You can, in fact, unlock new characters. You can you pretty quickly unlock the white knight, or the gray knight. Man, he's going to be confusing to play, though, because a lot of stages have generic gray knights running around. Is he... Yeah, you get used to it pretty good because you're the one actually controlling it, so... Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it'll actually, you know, have your gamer tag and everything. Yeah. And you can, you know... Because eventually you can, you know, unlock enemy types that you can play as. If you actually own the Alien Hominid HD game, you actually get Alien Hominid as a playable character. Whoa. In the game. And he actually uses his sort of his... He looks a lot like one of the aliens you see later on in the game. Yeah, he uses ray guns. He uses ray guns, melee weapon, and his magic attack. Now, that's another thing, is that every character has a different style of magic attack. Yeah. Like, you know, I like to play the red guy who has lightning. Someone might play the green guy who has, you know... Poison. Poison. He goes... I prefer to play the orange knight whose power is based in fire. You eventually get to just blow crap up. You know, and then the uh, blue guy's got ice. Which I want to try out eventually. And the white, you know, the white gray knight has arrows he can call forth. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. And so, and all these different characters have, you know, different abilities. So even, so even if you're playing these different characters, well, the base stats might be the same. All the magic's different. And so you kind of want to try all these different characters out as you go through the game. Do the special characters level like the regular ones? Yeah. Awesome. You, every time you start a new character, you start at level one, which kind of sucks. But yeah. as you level them up, they become progressively more stronger, able to handle more things. And it's... The game's a lot of fun. There's a lot more depth to it than your average brawler. I'd like to add that just because you're in a low level compared to everyone else, like, I started uh, one of our play sessions tonight on a low-level character while everyone else was higher. It doesn't hamper you that much, and you can still romp around and kick some ass, even though uh, you got to watch your health and stuff a little bit more. And they also have a really in- interesting way. Like, even if... Because if you have potions, they'll revive you if you die while you have the potions. But you can run out potions while you're doing multiplayer... Even if you're dead, you can still come back. Mm. Uh, one of the other player characters can go near you, press the Y button, and they'll actually have a sort of a timed mini game where they're actually giving you CPR to resuscitate you, to bring you back. And depending on how well you're good at the game, you might come back with little health or max health. So even if you die, you're not out, especially multiplayer, which I thought was really good. Yeah. But really, like I said, it's only. Well, I say it's only. It's only fifteen bucks. Or 1,200 Microsoft points. It is a bargain, man. It it's is. totally worth it. Like, a lot of people complain, well, it's, oh, it's not $10. Mer, 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 mer. I'm not willing to spend actual money. Mer. Screw you all. I'd pay Forget 30. you. I'd pay 30 for this. This is, this is worth a 30 possibly a $40 game. This is a good game. It's very It's good. very fun. If you only ever play by yourself on anything, maybe it's not for you. But chances are you can play with somebody, even if, even online. It's fun, and you should totally give it a whirl. Okay, well I think that's enough about Castle Crashers. We're moving on to well, my favorite part of the trifecta, which is the Bionic Commando remake, Bionic Commando Rearmed. Oh, that's such a wicked, wicked fun. Anyways, play the music. <laughs> Even farther, longer away, no, it's not in the 1990s. Nine, not even that, 1988. Oh, oh, right, the 80s, yes. In 1988, there was a wondrous gem of a game made called Bionic Commando for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And it was, also known as the NES. But yes. It was first an arcade game. It was first an arcade game, but the arcade the game, game sucked. sucked. Yes, it did. <laughs> we, will, we will sweep that under the table and pretend that game never existed. And now, oh my god, 20 years later, this yeah. game is 20 years old. Yes. Did you wow. know that apparently um, in Japan it was known as Top Secret? Did not know that. And in America they decided to um, make it a spiritual sequel to Commando. That's why wow. it's called Bionic Commando. You notice how they have those overhead stages that are a lot like Commando but are not? 
Yeah. They added those in for the American release. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Though in Bionic Commando Rearm, they actually kept those, which is pretty good. Nice of them. Well, it's now known as Bionic Commando Japan, but like, they, they changed the name uh, to... I fit, see. Fit the series. Yeah, it was like the... It's kind of like how originally Castlevania was the American name, but not the Japanese name. But it's kind of overtaken. But it's kind of overtaken it because it's just a better name. Exactly. Exactly. And the funny thing is, is the original uh, Top Secret had to do with fighting against Hitler and Nazis, I believe. Or some sort Um, of Nazi cult or something. You had to stop the resurrection of Hitler, basically. Right. Which is kind of funny because you played the American... If you played the American version of the NES game... I forget what they called him. The Bads? The Bads, something like that. And he was some weird mustachioed guy. And his, his character portrait just looked just like Hitler. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh, I was thinking of some official artwork that didn't look like Hitler, but never mind. The You're important right. thing was his head exploded when you when you. Beat oh, him. yes. Oh, yes. But uh, for this uh, rearmed 3D remake... They've kind of made a funny wink-wink, nod-nod to the non-Nazi English version and made it just uh, the generic, you know, evil guy. He looks like M. Bison. They have. He's now known as the leader, and he doesn't actually look like Hitler anymore. There's no... In fact, the... uh, With the posters on the backgrounds of the stages and things like that, they've kind of made fun of... Themselves, the, the not how it's trying to portray Nazis, but yeah, it's not really Nazis. It's like you know, a guy goes, Oh, in this Nazi pose, and he looks all fascist, maybe. exactly. It's all it's very fascist, very red, yeah. If I may, it, it's kind of interesting because the reason why this game was made was because there's this producer guy named Ben Judd, and apparently he has a total hard on for Combined Commando, which just makes sense because it, it was awesome, but yeah, and why not? It was the game was Bionic Commando itself was actually way more popular in America than it ever was in Japan, mm-hmm. and um, Inafune, guy who's sort of the Capcom's games guy, he did Mega Man and a bunch of other stuff like um, he's recently done Dead Rising and Lost Planet and pretty much their dude. And Ben Judd's been constantly pressuring out to do a Bionic Commando game, do a Bionic Commando game, do a Bionic Commando game, and. Apparently, at some point, someone handed Ifune a card for EGM, the magazine, mm-hmm. and apparently had a sprite of Bionic Commando for some reason on it. And he was like, you're kidding me. You're right. It is Pop America, isn't it? And he's like, yeah. Is this a joke? I mean, is, were you just trying to have this happen? No. You've got a game. Make yourself a game. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> and so... <laughs> He started, they started, he went to, I believe they're Swedish, I could be wrong on the nationality. I believe it is To develop for a grin to make a brand new Bionic Commando game. It's a totally next-gen, you know, it's coming out next year. Mm. And apparently they decided, wouldn't it be awesome, really awesome, if to way promote it, let's make a second game that's a total remake of the original Bionic Commando. And that's what Rearmed is. Yes, it's still side-scrolling. You still can't jump. The ba- the basics of the game are still the same. They've only kind of taken the NES game and made it a modern-gen game, which is what I like about it. But yeah. it's still kept the side-scroll side-scrolling platforming aspects of it. My God, it is brilliant to see those old NES, NES state, uh, stages in fully glorified oh, yeah. 3Dness. If if you played it when you were a kid or when you had the Nintendo, everything just feels familiar. I mean, you know I'm going to jump here, I've got to use my bionic arm to get to this ledge, etc., etc. Even the color palette is the same, yes. they just 3D'd it. It's been great. And, and, not to, and let's not forget the uh, remixed music. The remixed music is wonderful. Yes. I think it was done by a guy named Simon Vickland. Yeah, he remixed it. And apparently, I liked his opinion. His opinion was like, look, the, the music is perfect. Yeah. We just need to update it for modern standards, and that's what he did. Yeah. Which is great. Which is the actual entire game is that it still controls the same. Mm-hmm. The way you use the bionic arm still works exactly like it did before. Yes. You just now get to do more with it. But have, didn't they uh, update the bosses to be a little bit more? They did. Usually, usually in in the original Nintendo game, you went to a what was called, I believe, a core, mm-hmm. and it destroyed the core in each stage, and it. Each time you progressed, it made it. They put soldiers in the way, or there was a boss in the middle that would block your shots to the core. Mm. In rearmed, you actually have boss battles. You actually have robots and 
giant trolleys that you have to actually yeah. have to fight. And they're they're pretty in depth. I mean, and they all have different uses for the bionic. Yes, you arm. have to beat each. You're using the bionic arm, but in a different way for each boss battle. Like one where you get to you pull out, you can grab barrels in this version, mm-hmm. and one of them is you throw barrels to weaken it so you can actually destroy it. Other ones you have to pull like screws out of it. And really neat stuff. Mm-hmm. One other thing I like about speaking of the improvements to the game is. You can actually upgrade your bionic arm, which allows you to actually grab onto enemies and pull them back and use them as human shields, or you can actually <laughs> throw them off of the screen. Yeah, and that's pretty pretty good. Pretty good. It is pretty fun. It's pretty fun to do that. And you know, not, some of the little touches are you can actually you can soldiers will actually fall over, then kind of fall off the two D plane. Yeah, and, yeah, it's great. <laughs> fall down to the bottom of the screen and nothing. And what's one of the really great things is you also have local two-player co-op. Yes, co-op is fun. <laughs> and I really like how they handle it because if you get too far, you don't have to worry about it. You're not, you're not trapped in the same area. They'll mm-hmm. just split-screen it, yeah. but only when you separate so far that you can't see both characters on the same screen. And when you get back together, the screen kind of melds back together. It's really neat. It'll zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, zoom out to a point. And then it says, okay, you've had enough split-screen, and then... It gets kind of confusing for me sometimes because sometimes yeah. the one P side and the two player side will switch with each other, and you'll you'll get disoriented for a couple of seconds before you realize, oh, I'm on playing on this side of the screen now. But it's still it's still a pretty innovative and uh, functional two player, better than either trapping you or doing the contra thing where oh I jumped up too much, he's dead. Yeah, yeah, it's contra four is awesome, but sometimes it can. <laughs> Now that's of course that's contra. That's how it works. So yeah. you can't play too much. Mm. But much like you know, but much like contra, this game is still Nintendo hard. Oh yes, mm. yes. In fact, normal is Nintendo hard. Hard is insane, and I don't even know why they bothered to put super hard in this game. Oh aneurysm my mode. Yes, it, it gives me an aneurysm. I've 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 beat it on normal already, which was pretty hard on its own and I tried Lee actually watched me try it on hard the mode. first level I couldn't get past the oil refinery the first level <laughs> I couldn't do it <laughs> it's, it's pretty hard I, I didn't have the power <laughs> so that was on what the, the second the hard that, that was hard there's, there's a super hard super hard after there's a that? super hard I haven't even tried or cracked open yet holy I'm, shit I'm and what's scared a, what's amazing is <laughs> and what's amazing is tutorial levels are harder in the actual game itself. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Tutorial levels are hard. And they, they demand like pinpoint precision. Which is unfortunately the one of the sucky parts of the Xbox Live Arcade version. Not, the game's good. Mm. The 360 controller is not exactly the best controller to mm. play this game with. Not for Bionic Commando. Really? But it'll do the job. But the the training rooms do show a bit of, bit of a challenge. Now... Admittedly, you can also get this game on PC or on PlayStation 3. PlayStation Network. 3. Now, what's interesting is that on Xbox Live and PlayStation 3, the game's 10 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On PC, it's 15, 15. bucks. Mm. Yeah. But they also plan to add a patch where you have extra training rooms and a few other extras for the $15 on yeah. the PC version. Which is because they were like, oh, people are complaining because we're charging $5 more for it. Their first thing was, well, it's a PC game. Most PC games are already $20. You're already saving $5. And everyone's like, but it's still 10 on these two other ones. Yeah. Oh, you're going to get extra content. Yeah, okay. Yeah, pretty much. Good enough. I stick with the uh, Xbox version anyway. So. And I think there's some sort of online deathmatch or something. There is. I haven't actually tried any of that yet. I'm not really sure how... Bionic Commando Deathmatch would actually work, but... It's there. It's there if you... That's your thing. I haven't had a chance to try it out yet. You can grab onto barrels, throw them at your friend Bob if you really so desired to. That might be kind of fun. It might be. Well, let's try that. Yeah. We'll try that after the podcast. We'll play Super Joe. Uh, you can play Super Joe, yeah. Oh, really? I, I believe in the multiplayer you can. Oh, okay. Or after you rescue him, the second player co-op can play... Super Joe, I think, if I'm oh, not wow. mistaken. 
I could be wrong on that. <laughs> but also I'd like to mention that a lot of things are enhanced over the Nintendo game, obviously. Instead of one shot, one kill, and you gather items to increase your hit points, you actually do have a life bar in this game. And instead of collecting items to increase your hit points, you just get, you know, the general health power-ups, and that helps out things. You also get blue icons that increase your BCR, your Bionic Commando Rearm score, which, you know, like you don't get to find out any of that until you actually beat the game. And find out whether you sucked or not. <laughs> really? That's how interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know how Metal Gear ranked you at the yeah. end? This game kind of does the same thing. Where That's it says, cool. This many kills, you picked up these many power-ups, etc., etc., and this is your score. And then you get on the Xbox Live leaderboards and show off your EP. Nice. Yeah. Mine will be very small. But, yeah, mine is too. I still can't... I mean, hard mode. I can't do it yet. But... One of the things, one of the nice changes from the Nintendo game is, in the Nintendo game, you actually had to go in, pick which items you wanted to bring into a stage, right. and, you know, prepare for it. In this one, everything kind of follows you. You can you take all your weapons, you take all your items, so there's no need to go to a level, switch out, find out, oh, I should have brought the flares, or oh, I should have brought this communicator. Mm. It's all kind of put together in one for you, and you can actually just switch your weapons Using the uh, the bumper buttons on top yeah, of the Xbox off. controller, which is pretty nice. It's a nice enhancement. I like that a lot. But be be careful. The bazooka will yes, kill you. The bazooka yeah, will fuck you. Will, will screw bazooka you over. will fuck you. <laughs> so don't don't you know point blank someone with a bazooka. It yes. could you hurt. will die. You will die. I have done that so many times. I have to leave. Watch me do it many many times. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, i crap. Oh wait, bazooka. Yes. Or I'm trying to switch to a weapon from like the revolver. And I end up hitting the bazooka instead. <laughs> and I take out the enemy. I also take myself with me, though, that which is the problem. <laughs> and another change is the communication rooms. You actually, they've made hacking into the anime network kind of a mini-game. Yeah. It's like a miniature puzzle game. You have to, you have a ball and you have certain blockades and they're all within a cube and you have to, you have to navigate this ball into a goal and once you hit the goal you successfully hack the enemy network and it rewards you by giving you a whole bunch of life power ups at the end as well as the uh, conversation with the enemy guys to give you yes. hands on how to beat the boss that you're about and, to face and show you how stupid they are yes that too and they did keep get the heck out of here you nerd <laughs> so yeah I, I liked it how they they realized that the actual translation by Commando was really really hokey Mm-hmm. And so they, they played kept, on it. They played on it. They used the same style to make it really funny. Yeah, and it's not like like I'm an idiot, stupid funny. It's like actually clever in how they laugh. used it. It yeah. made me laugh in the middle of it. They've also they also made the albatross hard. Like holy crap! Really? It, it's really hard. It, it's the last level is completely different from the Nintendo game. It's it's divided up into four or five mini levels. Like you actually travel on the albatross, and you have to shut down these certain power grids and get these flip these switches. And it's not just you drop down, shoot with a bazooka, and, and game over like a Nintendo version. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. They've they've made a whole new last level, and I had to get about. 13 one-ups to make really? it through. <laughs> yes, wow. I'm not kidding. And just watching you do that, I was like, wow, that's almost impossible. And you were like, hey, dude, we haven't even got to the hard part yeah, yet. I know. <laughs> it was, yeah, there is there is one area with moving platforms that fall out from under you and moving platforms that will let go of your bionic arm and with a bottomless pit that will mm. kill you. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can beat this game. This game's hard, man. <laughs> I'm still the problem is just, you know... I reiterate Nintendo hard. Beating Zone 6. Mm-hmm. You haven't even cracked into it. <laughs> no, I haven't. Wait, like... wait, wait till you get to Albatross. Oh my god, the Albatross level. Which wow. is what we're bitching about. They wow. did They did keep the head explosion at the end, and it's all nice and gory. Nice. Instead of in 8-bit pixels, you get a nice 3D rendering of the leader's head blowing up. Which, which I, I did see the fact that this is an M-rated game. Like, why is it rated M? Oh, yeah. The very end. That's the only reason why I got the M rating, which I thought was really, really funny, actually. Because yeah. <laughs> you play it, you play it, why is this game rated so bad? What, what's wrong with it? 
And then you find out if you beat it. I thought maybe it was all the cursing you're doing as you're playing through the game should keep dying. Mm-hmm. But it's always a good cursing. Like, you're even though you might be cursing up a storm, you're still having fun because well, Bottom Command is awesome. I was hoping that the uh, helicopter girl would get naked. I was too, but no. Unless you look on 4chan. Oh, I better. Like that. That, <laughs> oh, you guys. Helicopter girl is hot. Yes. Yeah, 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 she is. Yeah. Going back to the difficulty, I know I can't shut up about it, but beating the game actually felt like an accomplishment, you know? As opposed to some of the, the other more modern games, which are a little easier. You know what? Like, yeah, it's standard. Sometimes it's good to find a game that re- that reminds it challenges you that, you, you know, and... this, is why, this is why we used to play video games. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Bionic Commando is definitely one of those. Most definitely. Um, they've definitely made it a, a better game. It's definitely improved upon the original, yet it's still managed to keep its familiar feel. Like I said, if you played the game originally, everything is familiar. You know where to go. You know what to do, what to latch on to. Just nostalgia. Rush. There's still no, there's still no jump button, which is awesome. Because this game would be terribly easy if you had a jump, jump button. button. <laughs> so speaking of the hot helicopter chip, the reason why she looks hot is because of her awesome portraits. Yes, mm-hmm. all the characters have awesome portraits. Yes, they do. The game has art by Shinkiro, who does a lot of SNK stuff. If you played Capcom versus SNK two, he does all of the uh, character portraits for that fighting game. He also didn't like a lot of the Fatal Furies. And... Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually noticed that because, like, you see the character portraits of everyone as they talk. I'm like, this guy's style looks familiar. Hmm. I remember he was in some fighting games. <laughs> but, like, they're all really well done. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of neat to see. It's always, of course, the same few poses for everyone. Mm-hmm. But it sort of adds to the whole old school charm of it. Right. But yet still new, but now new school. It's... And I love the main characters, you know, badass. Oh, I'm gonna bring it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a badass. Brad Spencer will kick your ass. <laughs> like it's gonna be interesting to see what this new Spencer guy. I think Nathan Spencer for the new one. Nathan Rad Spencer, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we'll see how he does. But the current, you know, Rad Spencer is really awesome. Yes, he rules. And there's also one of the extras in the rearm game is. Uh, they give you a special code to unlock the yeah. uh, the original Bionic Commando outfit <laughs> for the new game. For the new game, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's a nice little touch, I thought. But overall, it's it just doesn't feel like a port. It's not. I don't really want to call it a full on remake because they've changed a whole bunch of stuff with it. But and the core still remains. The core remains. It just had a whole bunch of enhancements on it. A huge overhaul on the. Uh... But it still remains true to the original source enough yes, where exactly it's enhancement. This perhaps. is how remakes should be made. Exactly, mm-hmm. they put you can tell they just didn't slap it together. They they put a lot of work into it, and they really cared what yeah. you can tell they liked. The game would think. They loved this game, yeah. and it shows exactly. Like I haven't played a game this good of a remake since well, it's kind of recent. Space Invaders Extreme, mm-hmm. which was actually done by the the now Square Enix owned Taito. When they totally revamped it in much very similar ways, well, that's a different game for a different podcast. Mm-hmm. I think we've already discussed that on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it yeah, it's for... also good. You should buy both of these. Go for it. Speaking of which, it's only ten bucks unless you're a PC user, but you get more stuff. You get more stuff for the extra five bucks, which we also just talked about. It's yeah. also five bucks less than Crashle Crashers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just saying, man. And, and five dollars less than the next game we're going to talk about, Braid. different kind of class of game. It's a uh, platform pu- slash puzzle game de- developed by a guy named Jonathan Blow. 
who uh, dumped uh, over a hundred and a hundred. <coughs> excuse me, dumped over a hundred and eighty thousand of his own cash into this game. Well, that was over the course of several years. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a consultant for video games, and at some point, he's like, "Yo, I can make my own video game," and so he started working on it. Mm. So, so it's been a very gradual. It says three years of development. Uh, there's a lot of planning and. Um, it came out, uh, on August 6th, and, uh, it won an Innovation and Game Design Award, and, uh, but the important thing is it's a, uh, it's, I think of it as almost an ode to, uh, Super Mario Brothers. It's a very send-up of the platformer style, but they've added in this whole time, uh, time theme to it. Like, starting out, you know, there's Goomba-like enemies, you're running along, but you you can't die. If you die, you rewind time to get back. And you can rewind time anytime you want by holding down the X button. And uh, all the puzzles are based around rewinding time. And each level has a new time uh, a new time gimmick gameplay that fuels it. And it's uh, it's really like I'd like to say it's really like an art game almost. That it's it's almost you know what would you say sort of. It's got these pastel watercolor backgrounds. Well, and yeah, like oh, uh, the game's beautiful. The mm-hmm. game, the game is gorgeous, and it there it's it's a platformer puzzler, mm-hmm. and it's because as, as much as it is a platforming game, it is also a puzzle game, because you can get through the levels pretty easily just to just go to level low, low, low level, but the point of the game are those little glowing puzzle pieces you'll see as you're playing mm-hmm. through, and to connect and to collect those can be frustrating, hard, and really make you think. And sometimes rewarding. Well, many times rewarding. Yeah, many times rewarding. When you figure that stuff out, you're like, oh, man. Like, the point of it, from what I can tell, is that you'll see puzzle pieces in weird places in crazy situations. And you're like, oh, man, this is nuts. How am I supposed to get this? But then you start thinking about it. You know. Oh, hey. I can do this, and you try it, and, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but you can always go back. And that was actually one of the things that he was really big about, was he wanted to make sure that you didn't feel consequences. And you didn't get stuck. Yeah, so you wouldn't feel super frustrated. You might still frustrate you because you may not figure it out, but once you figure it out, it you can do it. And usually, the, you'll what you think is really complex might be really simple. Mm-hmm. And to... Uh... To get something out of the way, the, the the story behind the game is you're playing this guy named Tim who's after a princess that he that some monster has taken, and he's made several mistakes. It alludes to, and he lost the princess, and he has to go find her. And you start out in the background of a city with either a, it's either a blazing sunset or a fire or something in the background, and you enter a house, and the house is sort of like your overworld. And from there, you go to each world, collect puzzle pieces, and to unlock the final uh, world, you have to put each puzzle piece, each group of puzzle pieces, into pictures together. And uh, each level has a different uh, theme to it. Like the first one is called Time and Forgiveness. It's actually marked as level two, even though it's the first level you enter. And it's pretty much just gives you, lets you get used to the whole rules and the fact that you can rewind time. And getting a lot of the puzzle pieces in this level would be frustrating if it was a normal game and you didn't have the rewinding time and sometimes downright unfair. Because you can go... Like, yeah, like there's one where you have to... You know, there's a pit and a, and a cannon shooting Goombas out of it and you have to time your jump just perfectly to get over the puzzle piece. But since you can keep rewinding, you know... Yeah. The idea is that you have to jump onto the Goomba-type creature to gain a jump boost to get to the ledge, yeah. which, has the, which has the puzzle piece. The game actually reminds me a lot of Mario vs. Donkey Kong, which was for the Game Boy Advance and um, DS, where it's actually very similar, except that you're Mario trying to get to a key in the next level. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of a puzzle game in a, as well, because you have to do things in a certain order in order to be able to get to the key to unlock the door. It's Man. funny that you keep mentioning uh, Super Mario and mentioning that as a platformer, because there's actually one level that's kind of an homage to... Uh, Donkey Kong and Super Mario called Jumpman. Jump man. Yeah, like it, yeah. like man, kind of homage. Nothing that is an homage. Yeah, but it's interesting at that level because as you move forward, time moves forward. But as you 
go back the other direction, time moves backwards. Yes. But you can still rewind yourself while you're doing it. It's kind of complicated talking about it, but it's, it's, you get the hang of it. But the thing is, since time is running backwards and you go left, if you stomp on an enemy and then go left, they'll revive because you've just rewound time. Yeah. And each level has time gimmicks like that. Like the second one has uh, introduced objects that aren't affected by the flow of time, which like... Uh, Things that are uh, usually something glowing green. They're immune to actual time effects. So no matter what you rewind, they'll still be there. Like uh, if uh, you grab a key and our key falls into a pit and you grab it and die, you could rewind and it'll come back with you because you have it and things like that. The new time system is pretty interesting. You have to you have to kind of have to retrain yourself on how you play exactly. a traditional platformer game because if you actually die in this game, you're like, oh shit, I died. And then it's like, oh wait, I can... Rewind. Rewind time. Or if you miss a jump or something, you don't have to climb all the way back up. You can actually consciously remind yourself that, oh, I can remind time and try that over again until I get it right. And which is a big thing, because at first when you're playing, you're doing all those normal platform things yes. where you're climbing back up, and then you go, oh, shit, I can You get into habits. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... and at some point, you can almost sometimes take it for granted. Like, oh, I'll immediately do something immediately. Oh, wait, I need to rewind that. And then I'll do it again, because I, I didn't rewind enough to, to go back and try it again. Yes. And I'll sort of get myself to loop that. I'll just stop myself, just keep rewinding, and but that's my own thing. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I have to do that sometimes, too. And the whole puzzle aspect is there's so many ways you can use time. Like in uh, one level, um, you get a magic ring, which when you drop it, it'll slow time around you. So you can drop it on cannons to make the cannon fire go... But even more, you can drop it on like on like uh, top of a platform where you can hang in the air longer to get over a jump where you need a cloud to come out of the cannon. It's just they're really crazy puzzles like that, which really make you think, you know, the whole the whole uh, Back to the Future. You're not thinking fourth dimensionally, Marty. That sort of thing. <laughs> they did put twenty-one gigawatts. <laughs> and I mean, for some people, these your mileage may vary. You know, I know some people who beat the game in just a few hours just when they after downloading it because to them their brain just clicked like they needed yeah. to. I know for me it took me a couple of weeks. It took me a little bit longer since my 360 died in the middle of playing it. But uh, that really, you know, sucked. But anyways, the game didn't suck. And all the puzzles are neat. Like he definitely took his three years, you know, thinking about what puzzles would be good, what puzzles would be bad. And overall, does a pretty good job of choosing the good ones. Occasionally, sometimes he's got a couple of stinkers. I think there are a few that stretch stretch the rules a little bit beyond what I think were fair. But for the most part, I think they're really well done. There is one puzzle piece, and actually, the first level that like breaks all the rules. Yes, and and to have that in the first level, I mean, I could forgive him if he put that one the later levels. I mean, it's in the first level, and there's actually no solution unless you collect other puzzle pieces first, so it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. One of the things about this game is, you, as I was going through and thought, oh, well, obviously I'm going to get a new ability that I can take back to this level to, to gain some puzzle pieces. And you don't. You don't. Every, everything you get, everything you have, going to level is what you need. Except in this first uh, level where there's some puzzle pieces, you've got to get other puzzle pieces to make a platform out of. Yeah, because you have to manipulate an actual puzzle, which will create another platform you can jump on. Which they never tell you which that was that was the one thing I had to look a fact on. Mm-hmm. Look a fact on because in no way did it really indicate that's what you're supposed to do. Mm. Ever. And they never use this idea ever again. Never every time you well, they sort of use it one more time in that you find out after you beat the game, you can still collect stars. And the stars will give you an additional secret ending, which we'll get to in a, in a, in a bit. And you have to manipulate um, puzzle pieces in another puzzle before you complete the puzzle to activate a star. And it, it kind of frustrated me because I only had to use effect twice on this game, and that was one of them. The other, if you're interested, gets into the whole magic ring bit, some of which was, until you really wrap your mind around it, it's really hard. But, you know, it's one of the positives. The game is, in fact, like I said, gorgeous. Um, I forget the artist's name. He actually did a webcomic for a little bit. But it, it looks very different from a traditional game. Yeah. I mean... I've, had, I've heard some people um, 
compare it to an old like British Amiga game. Mm. You know, it's it's definitely not your normal normal art. And instead of pixels and sprites or you know three D models, all the levels are actually painted. Yeah, yeah they, they look they look like wa- like moving watercolors. Yes, yeah. it's quite and beautiful, exactly. and they're complemented beautifully by some really engaging classical feeling, but yet. Almost stirring music. I really enjoy the music. And they also do a lot of things to the music. Is the music also rewinds when you rewind when you rewind it. And sometimes they'll actually have things where if it it will sound weird one way, but then you rewind it, you actually realize that's the actual tune. They've actually and they actually started playing the music rewound. Now the game is great. The puzzles are interesting. The gameplay is fun. And while I don't know about a replay value. Unless you want to show off your your thoughtful skills to your friends, I don't know if re- but the initial playthrough is definitely a lot of fun. However, this game is developed in two parts. The awesome part is the gameplay. The lame part is the actual story, because the story is basically is yes, Tim's trying to find a princess. That part was okay. The trick was that every time before you actually go into a level, there'll be some books. And in each book, there'll be a a few paragraphs of text you can read. And yes, it is completely... You don't actually have to... You still play the game and collect puzzle pieces while actually reading a book. But you're probably going to try to read it anyways. And it's some of the most pretentious, tepid crap (laughs) that I've read in a long time. Well... Well, I have to agree with you partially. I do think that they're trying to thematic, thematically set up stages, and sometimes it works. A lot of times, especially towards the later levels, it becomes more and more of, what are you trying to do here? And you, you seem to almost be... It's just really not necessary for the, the fluidity of the game. It, it, it reminds me... It's like they want to make Tim like five different people. Mm. Because each time you go to a different world... You do, see, I guess, uh, as they're trying to show, like, different aspects of Tim's mind mm-hmm. um, in different situations that may or may not have happened. Mm-hmm. But and, oh, well, the way it was written really, really bugged me. Like, it, it's hard to describe while on a podcast, but just if you ever read it, it's very, it's very hoity-toity. Pretentious. Pretentious. And it's like, you can just tell me a story. And it's also, it feels completely disconnected from the gameplay. And the one time, and I'll give him this, the very, very final stage, I will not explain what happens, but the very beginning is sort of Ico-esque and how they, they, they show it to you. And then at a point, they reverse it all around again, and they show you in a different, in a, one of the best ways of his mechanics I've, I've seen in the game. It's brilliant. Is how they handled it, how the the initial ending, and I was really really impressed, but the actual written stuff was was baloney, and the epilogue was full of more of that. Yeah, and I guess since we've mentioned the epilogue, spoiler warnings. If you don't want to be the ending ending of Braid spoiled, then stop listening. Just kill the podcast. It's cool. That's all we're gonna talk about. Go play some Bionic Commander. Go play some Real Arm. Play some Cash Crash. Play some Braid. We'll see you at Way. Peace. Yes. Okay. Okay. Engaging spoilers. Wait, wait, wait. First, I have a message to you. No, no, I'm just kidding. Keep going. Okay, spoilers engaged. Okay. Like, yeah, what happens is, is, as you're going through the final level, it's actually you and the princess working together to, you know... You might flip a switch to let her keep going. She might hit a, flip a switch to let you keep going. And you're working in tandem to get through the stage. Mm-hmm. And it's very Ico-esque where you're working with the with your princess as sort of a team way to out to outrace time to to get together. And at the point where you finally climb up and you meet her, time freezes. And you have to rewind time for yeah. her to see what actually happened. Now, like for example, like I was like I, I paused. I was like I'm going to get through. I'm like. Okay, everything's stuck. I, I can't move. I'm clicking the control around. I'm clicking the buttons. Well, let me rewind. And then I realized as I was rewinding, it was... All I could do was rewind. So and I can show I'm, the narrative. You can show the narrative. And what you see is, in fact, what has happened is the princess isn't helping you go through things. 
she's actively keeping you away. You're actually trying to get to her, and she doesn't want you there. So every time you think that she that you uh, she flipped a switch to open it, see the the real clue is the entire that entire last world, which is labeled World One, goes backwards. Enemies jump back into cannons instead of being shot out of them. It, just crazy stuff. So this one, the fi- final level as you played it, you played it backwards, and when it rewinds. Now I take some liberties with how it rewinds, but it shows, you know, her constantly, instead of opening things up for you, she's trying to trap you with trap doors and things, which you evade, and at one point tries to drop a chandelier on you, and uh, what's amazing is the, uh, the, what was supposed to be the monster that she's fleeing from is actually someone who she's trying to go to for help from Tim, the main character. And it's kind of interesting, because... You realize as you're going through the through the time thing is you're seeing all these things you've seen previous levels all at once. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was like, oh, okay, so you're what you're sort of seeing. You're going through and collecting all those puzzle pieces. What's bits of the level, you know, of, of you trying to get to your princess? Well, no, it was actually it was all these things, all these obstacles she was creating to keep you away. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting in, in the epilogue. They actually build a very a castle that looks very similar to Bowser's castle, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Mario imagery. You know, there's a flag in the level. They tell you, "Princess is another castle." Every time you beat a world, um, and this one it felt like you know, Leah mentioned it's like you're you you're Bowser, and it feels very much like you feel like you're the villain. You have, you are the bad guy. You're trying to steal her away because you're blindly in love with her, and she's in love with you. And it's sort of the creation of the villain. Well, that's that's what I thought when I first walked away. It turns out that the creator apparently, at least is the consensus, that he had a much deeper, uh, uh, layered actual ending, and that is the atomic bomb. Yes, apparently it's, this the entire game is supposed to be an allegory to Tim's regret. For helping develop the atomic bomb, and there are little hints to it, like in the epilogue. There's, you know, the quote from Oppenheimer and the whole "Now we are all sons of bitches." And there are little things in each level, which, which in the opening little paragraph, which some people say can be linked. I frankly can't see it very easily, but I, there are discussions of it, and pretty much the consensus has been, yeah. Tim's a scientist working in the Manhattan Project because they talk about Manhattan and there's and the princess he's looking for is the uh, you know the final needed information to complete the atomic bomb. And I don't know. Again, the way the way they they write all of it is an extremely pretentious voice. Mm-hmm. Like I I want I was just banging my head against the wall like shut up shut up blow shut up. This is stupid, you know, and it's really annoying because the rest of the game is so ingenious. Yeah, the rest of the game is so brilliant that while I can't really fault him for wanting to do that, I just wish he hadn't. I like, it feels like he's like he was he he's throwing red herrings left and right, trying to keep you from realizing this deep message when all he did was obfuscate it. He didn't actually really insert it. Yeah, it really feels like that. Everything is very very open ended. Which I guess is good because you can almost ignore the fact that because I really didn't I really didn't know until I went online after beating it that it was actually oh atomic bomb. In fact, I believe I talked to you after Haas yeah, that, one evening after the because it was the big to do. It was like you sure about the ending of Braid. It's the atomic bomb, and I'm yeah. and it's really sad because as I said earlier, one of the neat things about Braid is that it seems so complex, but really the actual answer is very simple. The actual ending of the thing is not is the exact opposite. It's it could be very simple, but tries to be very complex about it. And I think if he, the creation of a, a villain would have been excellent, would have been an excellent ending to have. But no, he decided to, to shoot for the moon, as it were, without that awesome Grand Lagan way. But no, as a lame like, <laughs> er, I'm doing an allegory to the Manhattan Project. I was just the whole the whole reveal at the last level. Which is maybe which is probably as deep as most people will get, which is thankful. Was so much of a better actual ending. Yeah, and, and even in the in the game, it's like Tim has seen all these things, and it still confuses him. 
but he thinks he can get the answers. Like, oh, it's obviously, oh yeah, because you made it intentionally confusing. This wasn't interesting. This wasn't deep. It was intentionally confusing, and that was stupid. Of course, we're giving him exactly what he wants by talking about it, but whatever. No one actually listens to this podcast. Hey, hey, hey. I'm going to kick you. But um, I listen to the podcast. I listen to. The, I'm like I'm the, I was the biggest <laughs> fan until I joined, and then I can't be a fan anymore. That's true. But uh, I, I think Jonathan Blow deserves, you know, lots of praise for what he did. I just don't. I just don't uh, enjoy that particular facet of the work. Well, again, let me first say this is an awesome game. I really enjoyed playing it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the actual ending. I pretend it's the actual ending. And I don't really think you should spend the fifteen bucks and buy it. I think what he tried to do is, I think he realized that because this game doesn't really have the replay value, the other games, because it's a puzzle game, mm-hmm. and it's it's how you do these actions and how you think through these levels is the actual game, I think he decided to make a really controversial ending to, to slap onto it One in game. order to, you know, to keep discussion on it so hopefully more people would buy the game after its initial release. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, all those books and stuff are just like right in front of the levels, right? Like you know they they have nothing really to do with how the actual game plays and how the actual gameplay works. Mm-hmm. And when teasers. he was and when he was showing the game off to developers and stuff during conferences, which is how I found out Braid mm-hmm. was he was showing off all these interesting ideas on how to use time manipulation and how he's using this platform, and I was like. Holy crap! This looks really cool, mm-hmm. and that's why I bought the game for. I didn't realize I was getting a really crappy story on top of it. Mm-hmm. I could live without the crappy story, <laughs> and then and then again, that final level was really really good. Like I was, I, I really hope you didn't spoil yourself by listening to this podcast. Shame on you if you did, because because just like thankfully Lee didn't say a word when I was because he was there when I was beating it to help me push me through. And I, I, w- I just, that moment when time froze, and I saw the princess, I was like, I was like, okay. And then I started winding time, and it was, I was, just, I was, my, I, I jaw dropped. I was like, this, this is monumental. Yes. This, this is, this. Yeah, the guy that you've been playing and empathizing with is actually a stalker guy. The whole fact about that just goes, you go, damn. Like, and just the way he presented it, and using his time manipulation gameplay mechanic to actually tell the story. Exactly. It was brilliant. It, it was, was the merging of gameplay and storytelling through the actual playing of the game. And it was a wonderful implementation that I wish he had actually bothered to do. Like, I really wish that he would have downplayed a lot more of his crappy writing and story and did more of that. Like, that was really good. Personally, for me, I only played the demo. Um, I couldn't really get into it. I couldn't really. I didn't really like the uh, the platformer yet. It's still a puzzle aspect of the game. Mm. I thought I, I sold a few of them. Got frustrated by a whole lot more of them. And I liked traversal time for a little while, and then I had to get used to it. And like I said earlier, that I had to retrain myself play this platformer game with this time reversal element and it's not really my thing but I can I can see why the game's awesome I mean it's beautiful and it introduces a whole lot of new elements that could be used in future games but it's just not my cup of tea and that's the thing when you're going to download this is you have to realize that it may not be your cup of tea you have to be able to uh, you know want to try out a new Definitely download the demo. Yeah, I'm, download the demo. Even me, who's saying that it's not for me, I'm not saying the game sucks because it it's a great game. I enjoyed what I played of it, but it, it's just too left field for me. In summary, if you want a game with friends, get Castle Crashers. If you want an awesome game to play, get by Commander Rearmed. Yes. If you want a game to sort of think, get Braid. Yeah. But really. Spend the money, get all of them. I mean, together, that's what forty dollars total of content. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Less. that's a that's a crap load of awesome game. Mm-hmm. You know, of different kinds. Then you'll spend on most 
new releases like 60 or whatever. on most video games. Like, exactly. Even like, you know, most PS2 games now release for 40. And you're getting that, you're getting way more than your average PS2 game and more than your average 360 game, which is usually 60 bucks. It is mm-hmm. definitely worth the uh, buying all three of them. So yeah. Go out, buy them. I'll see you anyway. Peace. Later. <laughs> crazy. And I approve of this podcast. Do you? <clears throat> okay. Start it. Awesome date. Now, um, this has been the Awesome Cast. If you want to learn more about us, or if you liked us, check us out on the web at osmcast.com and leave a message or a comment in the comment section. Awesome Cast. So awesome, only three letters can contain it. Or you can leave us an email at osmcast at gmail.com or you can send us a voicemail at the awesome line area code 206-426-5063 bye bye